Come to Counselor Find, a podcast for counselors past and present, finding their way in faith and current culture. We are your hosts, Shrek and Shopvac, also known as Terry and Zach. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. Or it could be afternoon or evening, wherever you are or when you're listening to this, but welcome back. It's great to have you here. And um, it's amazing. We're moving through the calendar and it's just awesome to be here. Hey, Zach. Hi. Here again. What episode is this? Episode 16. Is it? Yeah. It'll be 20 before we know it. I know. It's amazing. Life is so good. I'm just Mm. enjoying it. Um, You know, I got past um, that mental hurdle of like that uh, COVID lockdown. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of just get into a funk and it's like, okay, now I'm done being in a funk. I want to just be excited and enjoy life and Mm -hmm. see people and can't see people but i'm gonna choose to have a better attitude anyways <laughs> this right. hey everything's open so stay home what anyways what are we talking about today today we're going to talk about hey who are you so i was reflecting on the fact that we talked uh a week ago or in a pre like the last episode episode 15 um about feeling god and that sense of um how do I feel God and how do I lean into who God is and let God be with me? And we talked about um, ways to persevere in a hard time. And we talked about wilderness and desert and just going through those dry spells. And I thought, ah, it, I woke up one morning and I just pulled out my, my uh, notebook here and I just started writing on, on who am I, who are you? And, and that idea that we need to understand ourselves if, if we're wondering where God is in all this, have we stopped to really identify who we are in all this? And I think that's where I was coming at this idea and this topic. Right. We talked really briefly at the very end of the last episode on, on practical tips to, um, to know yourself, to know God, to, to allow that uh, interaction. And I was just like, man, we need to really stop and sit with the fact that we need to be ourselves. And then to continue that journey. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to talk about who, who are you? Who am I? That's that question. Sounds good. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. So um, I guess the, the trigger experience for me was just reflecting on Arrow. Okay. It's been two years since I went to my first um, on-site uh, intensive with them. So we went to Arizona for a week conference essentially it's a conference yeah um so there was 27 of us executive leaders and so the youngest person i think was 39 and she was a pastor in montreal so it was pastors ministry leaders professors uh i got there and i just really felt like i come from a small little bible camp and there was another guy he's like i come from a small little church of like 120 people Right. in rural Saskatchewan and the two of us kind of like, Ooh, I don't feel like I fit in here, but okay, here we are. And, uh, so the first morning we got together and you were with a bunch of strangers and you met people and, uh, you were to get together and pair up and you had to ask this one question. And it's the only question you could say. And if the conversation lagged, um, you had to just respond with this question. So it was, who are you? Hmm that question was what we were supposed to ask. And we were each given a minute to answer that question. And so when you would not need a minute, you would not need a minute, but you had a whole minute. So if the conversation lagged, they asked the question again, that's great, Zach. Who are you? Boy, that's so awkward. It was awkward. 
It was really, because you're standing with a stranger answering, who are you? And you're like, um, so I do this job and I have two kids and a wife and yeah. And that's it. That's 10 seconds. And who are you? Like, (laughs) I'm a Christian and I'm this old, oh, great. And who are you? And you're like, oh my goodness, just make this end. And so you got to the end of the first minute. And you each did a minute and they called us back together as a group. They're like, so how was that experience? Like this sucked. Mm-hmm. Like this Terrible. was tough. This was like great, you know, a great response. And it was like, okay, here's the teaching point. No, it was like, okay, now go back with that partner and you're going to do two minutes each. Same person. Same person. Who are you? And so you're like, they you already know. Yeah. So you run through those first 10 things you listed in the first minute. Why would you say the same things again if you already said Well, because them? it's easy, right? I guess. I, guess. Okay. I already got but this down. But you say down. it quicker now. You say it quicker because you've already... So they're like, okay, great. That's a good job, Terry. So who are you? Mm-hmm. And you still got a minute and a half to go. And it was such a... Um, I guess you start to get deeper and you're, and you're with a stranger. And so now suddenly you're like, well, I grew up in this place and I did this and this, this was part of my life and I... I guess I've finished university and, and I've done these things and, and you start to dig into like, I'm actually a leader and, um, I'm terrified of heights and like you, you kind of find these little touch points of yourself that you don't really understand, but they really do shape who you are. It was a really cool experience with people that were like, you know, the youngest was maybe 39, the oldest was in their sixties. And we're leaders and ministry people and teachers and, and trying to figure out who we are. It was a really good question. It sounds like the kind of activity that I would absolutely hate. Please don't ever make me do it. I'm just, I don't know. Well, Zach, who are you? Mm. No, it's funny because like your life, like as you do this experience and then we came back together. So after the second time of doing this. And we talked about it a bit and kind of people shared a few things, how they were feeling and stuff. And then we had to find a new person, someone we didn't know. You did it so, a third time. And we did it a third time. And you had two minutes with the stranger. Holy moly. To you, yeah, to tell your story. So you were Who absolute top notch storyteller by the third time, huh? Yeah. And it's amazing how uh, by the third time you're really telling story. Like, Did, did you find yourself like wanting to make stuff up? No. I think I would just I, default to like I know. lying. I don't know. It'd be bad. That's bad. I don't, it, it, don't know why I said that. But in the moment, you're so stressed that you don't just create okay, a yeah, fake fair. personality. You're just like, I have to answer this question and I'm here. You're, you're there to learn about whatever it is they're, they're trying to teach you. So in your head, you're like, there must be some alternative like motive behind this. Also, um, there must be a way to do this right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Cause you, and you have those types of people there that are executives that are like, well, there's got to be a right way to do this. But you get to that point where um, it was really neat because if I reflect on it now, like there is there's story that comes out. People were, were weeping because you, you hit a nerve at some point. Really? Um, people shared some of their fears. I probably wouldn't be a weeper. Some people, but... no, probably not you. Hmm. Um, some fears. people really wrestle with silence. And so you're like, standing there in silence and that can be really su- such a wrestle. I guess like two minutes straight of just talking about yourself, you can get pretty deep pretty quick. By the third time. There's only so many surface little things to say. Well, by the third time, 
yeah, you're kind of like digging into now, like different. I feel like the 60 plusers had a bit of an advantage here. Why is that? They had twice as much things as life to talk about. Well, you know, a little older. They've not only got kids, they've got grandkids that they can throw into the mix. Yeah, you would think so, but they can talk about their kids and their lives. I guess. But it, it's not about their kids. It's about who am just I? Saying, I'm not saying that I they know. should have been. I'm just saying they could have. Leg up. I was amazed. Um, the one lady I talked to, if I like reflecting back on this now, um, it, it's it's amazing how when you're telling that to a somebody that's a stranger, it's not the negatives that define you; it's the positives. Um, mm-hmm. And and that stood out to me, and I and I thought that would be a really important thing I wanted to talk about is that it's we're not, we're not defined by uh, so many people I meet right now are sad or depressed or have lost things, and we're living in that struggle, that yeah, desert well, it place. becomes an identity, right? And it can become our identity, especially when we're living in it's this desert lockdown, mm-hmm. um, a society that's just controlled by fear. Right, everything is about all the propaganda is about fear right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the society's open, but stay home because you're you're going to kill people or yourself. And it's like, what the heck is going on? Like, mm-hmm. stop the, with the fear. Um, but when you're asked that question, "Who am I?" Even though you're you feel that stress, it's not what defines us. And I thought that was really amazing uh, in reflection. It wasn't like. You know, getting to know these people through that week, living together and being on site and having meals and lessons together and doing different exercises, you learn that some of them have wrestled with depression or some of them are coming from a, a really broken place or they're, they've been burnt out in ministry or they're hurt by their church or they're hurt by their situation. And so even though they have these huge gaping wounds at the moment mm-hmm. that they're wrestling through or dealing with, it's not who's defining them when you ask that question of, and you dig into their story. Right. And so that was really interesting for me, um, it, you know, looking back. Because so many of the people that we're talking to right now, are, that's one of their main definitions. Like, I'm lonely, or I'm, I miss my friends, or I, I'm, I've lost so much, or I'm so empty, or I, I just feel so far from, from God or from... Right. Anything positive. I was like, yeah, but that's not what's going to really define us when we get there. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I also noticed that when you're asked directly that question, who am I? We don't compare. Mm. But when you sit in silence, or I, so I came off the bus and I'm sitting with all these people and I'm looking around the room and I'm totally comparing myself to them. Like I, I have this right. inferiority complex. These people run, you know, this person's running a $3 million budget um, church in Boston. And this person's running a Salvation Army with a food kitchen and an $8 million budget. And they've got a rec center. They're running like, like, holy crap. These people are, this guy's over here is a professor for the last 20 years at a, you know, a Christian right. seminary. I don't do any of those things. Like, and when you're sitting in the moment, you're really comparing yourself to other people and that can get you down or stress you out or 
or you're like, oh, I, at least I'm, you know, you kind of put yourself on a scale. I seem to be better than that guy, <laughs> but not as good as that girl, right. right? Like she's got way more than I do, but he, I think I beat him. And um, that comparison happens really quick. And, and it's like a, like a snap, right? Judgment that we make of people and we place ourselves in this hierarchy. But when you're asked, who are you? That all kind of goes out the window. Mm-hmm. And it was a really neat experience for me because, um, so the first time I was there, I got to know everybody going back the second time. Oh, I just felt like I was out of place. Mm. I should not be here. These are, these are actually true executives or these are truly, you know, experienced leaders and, or, or the flip side is like, I'm better than these people. Why do they make more money than me? Why do they seem to have more prestige than me? I have more effectiveness in my ministry or, and somehow, but somehow someone's put them on, you know, two rungs up on, on the ladder than I should be. Right. So you not, you know, and it was such a great experience to stop and reflect and go, but who am I? Like God's put me in a place and a time mm-hmm. for a reason. He's given me, you know, two talents of silver instead of five talents if we're going to use that biblical example of like the servants who get one, two or five, it's this, his choice. Yeah. He's put me in this place, do what I can do with what I've been given and, and enter into his joy. Like that's the cool part about that story is we talk and we stop at like, well, you have two talents. Are you using them or did you bury them? Like, no, mm-hmm. no, no. Like he comes to him and says, I gave it to you. I had a plan for you and enter into my joy. Like just do what you've been given in the moment and stop comparing yourself to anybody else. And I have joy for you Hmm. for doing that. And yeah. So when you answer that question, who am I? It was neat for me to reflect and say that all the comparison goes away. You're just in the moment of yourself. Hmm. I'm talking lots here. So how do we answer the question? Who am I? How do we do that? Hmm. That's an excellent question. Um, I think there's, it's really important for us. And I don't know that I was ever encouraged. I know I wasn't encouraged at 15 or 25 or even 30 to know who I am. People just judged me and I took whatever labels they placed on me and I did my thing. Right. So you're a wild card. Okay. Well then deal with it. I'm a wild card or You're a troublemaker. Well, maybe I am. So here's some trouble. Like, or you're, uh, you know, you're, you're always so angry or so depressed or so whatever it is that you just kind of take it and go with it. Nobody ever yeah. stopped to say like, do you really know who you are? Do you, you know, and I've done some, sp- I did some spiritual gift stuff and I was like, well, I know these are my gifts. And I did some right. other things and I was like, oh, okay, I know these things about myself. I know, I know, whatever. But nobody really stopped to say, who are you? Do you know yourself? And do you know your strengths? And do you know your weaknesses? And do you know your, your abilities and, and what skills you want? I wish someone had done that. If you're, if you're listening to this, you, and you kind of say like, well, who do I want to be? What would I like in my life? Mm Mm-hmm. Drive for those things. Like if you're listening and you, you don't have that in your life and you want it in your life, find that. 
Make it happen. Right. I want to be more humble. I want to be more compassionate. I want to be stronger. I want to be courageous. I want to be bold. Well, own that. Take off the shoes you're wearing and put on new shoes. Like, Mm. walk in that that thing. And you're like, well, I don't know how to do that. Okay, well, figure that out. That's a skill you can learn. Yeah, I may be gifted as a leader, and it's a gift that I have, but I also know it's a skill that I can grow. And so I may have a gift, and I may have a place, I may have a position for a season in leadership, but I can also study that and learn it and, and get better at it. I hope I'm getting better at it. And it's, what I, it's one of the things I want to be defined by. I want, like, if my funeral was tomorrow, I want people to say, well, he was a good leader and he was compassionate and he cared for us. And he, uh, what else do I want them to say at my funeral? I want, like, if I died today and they stood there tomorrow and I want them to say he was a good dad. I want him to say uh, he was a faithful husband. I want them to say he was the guy who liked to have fun and he definitely liked board games. And he, you know what? I don't know what it else right. it would be. So then are you saying that it's okay if who we are and that definition of that is um, includes worldly things? Wow. Yeah, I guess I am. And I think because <laughs> because we're supposed to be in the world and not of it, and we've been gifted a time and place in this world. Never really thought of that. So that was a great question, and I'm trying to make up an answer here right on the qu- on the spot. Like, I probably, yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. It's not one that we had before. Yeah, I think I think I am, but not worldly in that this is what defines me. I'm not a politician. I'm not defined by my, Hmm. by that. I think we are in the world's system and the world's economy. And yet we function as, as not as Canadian citizens, as, as heavenly citizens. So, and I'm working this out here in front of you live on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what we're doing is we're working out our, our heavenly citizenship the kingdom of God in the kingdom we're placed in here on earth. And so that may really look like us trying to figure out, okay, what's my role as an ambassador here? Am I, am I making tents? Am I, am I a mechanic? That's just a job. I do, but I'm investing in this place and these people so they can see the kingdom of God through me. So, Let me take a stab at it, I guess. Sure. What so you're saying it might be okay to say that I like hockey, but to define myself as a hockey player or a hockey coach would be too far. No, I think I think you're gonna if that's part of your identity, then that's something that you should enjoy. So but it's what okay makes you for, a hockey coach? It's okay for worldly things to be a part of our identity then? Mm. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. But should it? Why not? I don't think it's... I don't know. I'm. But I think that's really like... everything we're taught. I don't... It may be... Yeah, I don't think that's not a terrible thing to identify. <laughs> I don't think that's a terrible thing to identify. I don't know if it's core you. Like, I think if you took that coat off and you weren't a hockey coach next year, yeah, I don't think it's going to wreck you. Right. But 
but it's okay. Just, it's- but then we get into the idea that like, if that is our identity, sure, then it will wreck you. If that's the only identity you have, then I think that'll wreck you. Maybe not the only one you have, but what if it's a a big one? Then go for it. <laughs> but like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, if if um if we have identity. Yeah. Or too much identity, I guess. I don't know how to word this. Again, thinking on the spot here. In something yeah, that this is can great. expire yeah. or is worldly or can be taken away or whatever. Yeah. Then we'll be left with a hole. And is that wrong? Like, should not, like, I think God if, should be enough, right? Like, we should be solidified that, like, all we need is God. I could have everything stripped away from me. I could have all of my family taken away. I could have all my friends taken away. I could have my life taken away from me. And the fact that I have God is supposed to be enough. So the easy answer is yes. That's what the Bible says. Yes. And yet God called certain people to be artists and fishers of men and allowed them to be fishermen and shepherds and well, fishers of men polish, and just politicians and kings. Yeah. And Right. But I That's mean, all like, of us. I know, but I think... There are certain people that he was just like, like Zacchaeus. Let's take Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector who came to, to Jesus and Jesus changed his life. Mm. And Jesus didn't say stop being a tax collector. He said, right. go and give back the money you, you've taken illegally and, and, and do your job honestly. It, but Matthew, he comes to him and says, follow me. He completely changed his life and his calling. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If you're a hockey coach, then be the best hockey coach you can be and enjoy it for a while. But I don't think we should, that should be the only identity that we have. Right. Because if you do that, you're going to, you're going to take that coat off one day and be completely hollow inside. And then you're going to feel lost and empty because you're like, I have nothing beyond this identity as a hockey coach. We can agree. It shouldn't be the only identity we have. Yeah. But are you also saying that Christ shouldn't be the only identity we have? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying Christ should be our core identity. Interesting. That shines through that coat we put on on the outside. And you can take joy and pleasure in that coat. Right. I love being a camp director or camp executive or whatever it is. I I love camp as part of my identity. I've never felt more alive than I have in the last seven years being at camp. Right. I feel like I've, I've found the shape that fit me because mm. for years I was uh, a seven sided shape that was trying to fit into these triangles and circles and squares. I didn't fit any of them. I could ram myself in there, but it just it never fit right. But if you felt like God was telling you to leave, would you not feel like you're missing something? Cause that's part of your identity. No, because I think I, of knowing who we are, I don't think is, is, is a, a one-time experience. Like we get to a mountain, going back to last week when we talked about being on that mountaintop and feeling that, that moment of like, wow, mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's how we, like, it's the journey. Mm. I, I feel like I'm at a mountaintop and I can see in the future, wow, there's other mountaintops. I'm going to go explore them. To get to that next mountaintop, I got to actually go down the hill and through whatever, and then back up again. That's a lot of work. 
it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of journey. And there may be some real disappointments in that journey. Right. But I can see another mountaintop. And I don't know if that's 10 years away or eight years away or one year away or 28 years away. Like, I may never get there. I may travel down and die in the valley or die in the depths on the <laughs> way there. Like, I, I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm just saying, like, okay. But I think my journey. I think the journey is, is more important than the destination in that. Okay. So you're saying our core identity needs to be Christ and we can have other identities around us and the things that we like and want to do and have fun doing and enjoyment and all that. I had no idea this is where this journey was going. Okay. So how do we know then if that core has shifted? How do we know if, if, um, being the person who runs camp or being a hockey coach or being a, I don't know, a student or an accountant has replaced, or an engineer or a nurse or has a replaced, doctor. like has switched spots with, with God as our identity. So I would ask this question of you, where do you see your citizenship? Is what it in, I mean? is, I mean, like, where do you see yourself most connected? Have you now become the hockey coach first and a kingdom citizen second. Well, I don't know. Like, how do I know that? Because your, your citizenship is in heaven. Your, your key, your core identity should be, I think, uh, knowing yourself in Christ. Right. And your work that out, the way you work that out is going to change over, over your, your life. Uh Uh-huh. So right now it's working itself out through your, your identity as a hockey coach. And that's great because there's a lot of things there that resonate with who your citizenship is. It's, it's a leader, it's a teacher, it's someone who cares for people. It's one-on-one. It's, it's doing something that you, you're passionate about. You love hockey. You love working with youth. You love like all those things. Okay. But if that takes precedence, that takes your focus you're doing this so that they can see God in you. So you can see that your citizenship is somewhere else. And that doesn't mean you're just, you're evangelizing all the time or you're sharing like, Hey, that's the real reason I do this is because of the gospel. It, it doesn't have to be something that's, that's verbally stated, hmm. but it's something that's lived out. I think in, in your life, <laughs> why do you do this? Because God loves me first and redeemed me and gave me a purpose. And I work out my purpose through coaching you guys something that's passionate and loving and, and exceeds, exceeds that. There's something you can teach them in the losses of life, right? When, I, when we lose a game, it's not the end of the world. There's more to this. When you, when you lose your temper, there's a way to learn that the self-control. How, do you, how did you learn that self-control, Zach? Well, I, I'm not always great at it, <laughs> but, <Wow>. but <laughs> I also have have been forgiven and, and can ask for forgiveness and recognize when I make a mistake. And, and I've learned humility okay. <laughs> through, through trying to become more like Jesus. I know, but so I get how to like be a Christian through X. Right. How do we know if X has taken over our core identity? Well, then I think that's or why we have to ask this question. Who am I? Okay. So then what's, what's, when you boil it down, where do you end up? 
Like, what's the first answer we give when we say, who am I? Is that kind no, of I don't think it's the first answer. Because the first answer I give when you ask me, who am I? I'm going to be like, I'm Terry. I'm, I'm 48. I live in Kitchener. Like the first I thing I'm going to isn't going to be that I'm a Christian or anything. No. Unless I think about it for two seconds, I'm like, oh, I should say that first. Mm. <laughs> no, but I think, and I think it's easy to just, yeah, no, I think that I agree with that, Zach. I'm going to describe what I'm, like, tell me about what you look like. And you're like, well, I'm wearing a gray sweater and blue jeans and mm-hmm. socks and a pair of shoes. Like, yeah, but but what do you look like? Well, I, I guess I have a beard and I, I used to have hair, right? Like, or, you know, I, well, I shaved this morning, so I have brown eyes, but I don't see color. I, uh. Yeah, but you so, can I mean, get deeper and deeper and deeper into like, well, what do you, what do you? I guess, like to me, if the core identity is Christ, then that also means that it may be surrounded by a number of other layers, which means it may take a little bit to get to that. And if you're describing yourself, but that also means that like it will affect the way that you think and do everything else so like if Mm -hmm. christ is our core identity and then we talk about how well i'm a student who does this and i'm you know training for to be this engineer and on the side i like to volunteer at this thing and i like to travel and go to these places and you talk about all these other things you do first and then finally the christ thing comes up well that's like that's not bad as long as like if if christ is truly at the center he will be woven into all those other things in the way that you act and think about those things and approach all those things. So, um, yeah, like the way that you carry yourself, I guess, in all those other things that you do, it, it will be there because that's like your, um, your moral compass. Your, your, the way that your entire, like the lens that you see your whole life through is through that, your core identity. And if your core identity is Christ, then the way that you will do everything else will be through that lens of Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Right. I like the way you said it. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of like where I'm, because like, yeah, most of the time, like, and, and here's the other thing is most of the time when people ask me on an update on my life or how things are going, they're asking me about camp. They're asking me about hockey. They're asking me about what the things, things you that do. I do. Yeah. But, they're not asking me like directly about like my faith or my relationship with God, but I guess <clears throat> like if that's at my true core identity and at the center, then he will be shown through those things or the way that I, just the way that I approach those things will be different, right? Because they will be through the lens of, um, hopefully of Christ, at least a little bit. So whether that's more patience than what my no- earthly self would have given to certain things or, more sympathy or more what I like, do you know what I mean? Like some of his, his gifts or his like fruits of the spirit will start showing up in those things then. Yeah. I think that's totally what it is. And I think the more we, we come to know ourselves, mm-hmm. um, the more we're going to be able to allow those fruits through, through the things we are doing or, or the things that we're engaged in. Right. It's really easy for us to not, Oh, 
I don't know, like it seems like this Christian culture that we're in wants us always to have Christ first and foremost. And when I read through the Bible, there's some people that really do that. Right. But there's very few Samuels and Elijahs and Moses in the Bible. Uh There's a lot more like Samsons and Gideons and, you know, general people that just kind of go through life. Yeah. Well, not all of us get a pillar of fire smoke leading us through the desert, right? Right. right. Not (laughs) all of us actually like go through a desert to the mountain of God and have him show up and destroy the mountain and then talk to us (laughs) in a whisper and said, you know, get get the heck out of here and go find someone who's going to replace you. Uh Like, oh, that would be devastating. (laughs) And yet this was Elijah, right? Like this was, that was his call. That was his job was to find Elisha and train him to be even more, more blessed than he was. And I don't know, like, I think there's a lot of us that just have to go through life. It's like we were talking about Abraham and Jacob and, and Isaac, where they went like decades without hearing from God, but they lived their lives for uh-huh. him. And they were considered, you know, like he was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But it wasn't like they were constantly doing miracles and destroying the world for God or, right. or constantly like, you know, Abraham goes and fights a battle and on the way back, there's this priest and he makes this donation to God because God is at his core, but he's a shepherd first. Like that's, that's his job. And that's, and he was rescuing his, his, his uh, nephew, Lot, mm-hmm. right? He's gone to rescue his nephew. He's just a guy who's living out life and doing the dirty deeds. And, and then, oh, there's a priest. Hey, God is actually at my center. I'm going to give him this. Uh, and then I'm going to go tend the sheep again and go about my life waiting for God to answer this promise of me having a son. And so he knows his core, but he just goes through life and is, there's 20 years to fill in there before this thing happens. Mm. And that's okay. Right. It's still part of his identity. Man, it makes me look back on my own life and my own father and see him in a different light. Um, I always wanted my dad to be this like, you know, if, if we're supposed to be transformed and, and changed and, and speaking out these, mm. these things, like, but he wasn't, he was a bus driver. Right. And he wasn't driven by change the way I'm driven by change. He was driven by just caring for his neighbor. And he did these little things and it used to frustrate me. Like, why don't, like, why don't you do more? And yet I can look back on his life and see like, he lived out his life in a really, God was a part of it and his job was to drive a bus. Uh-huh. And there were times where he was really compassionate to people because he saw the poor and the needy and the, the widow and the fatherless and he cared for them. Right. And, and as a teenager and a young adult, I didn't see that in my dad. And as I got into my thirties, I started to see him more as a friend and, and started to examine his life. And I was like, oh, this guy's a mentor in my life. Like so many things he's done have shaped me. I have some bad habits because of him, for sure. <laughs> um, and, and my kids will laugh because, you know, I, I make this face and I do things like him, but there was a lot of grace there. He was a very different person than I was. Uh-huh. And I wanted more from him at times. And then I can sit back and reflect and say, man, he just lived out his citizenship through being a bus driver. Right. And, uh, that was cool. I didn't, I didn't realize we could do that. 
Um, I think it's really important that as we know ourselves better, um, there's so many different ways to do that. What motivates you? Figuring out what motivated me was huge. I had a job, I had a person who could sell me anything. And it was just like, how did you figure that out? And then I figured out he knew my motivation mm. in life and I didn't. And he could hit those buttons and get me to do things because he knew what motivated me. Mm. I didn't know myself. Right. And as I got to know myself and figure out what motivated me, I could see through that, um, through that lens yeah. when he was trying to push my buttons. I didn't know it. And, and learning that about myself was huge. Yeah. Because I was able to take control of my own career, my own uh, decisions without having someone manipulate me because they knew my motivations and I didn't. So that was a huge thing of understanding about myself. Right. What motivates you? What makes you, what makes you tick or do certain things be- that, that nobody else can explain? So <clears throat> you would still say, though, that like Christ should be at our core identity and that he should be enough, right? That's all we should need. That's I would say yes. Okay. So yeah, because there'll be a day where everything else is stripped away. And so then, yeah. So then when we lose things that yeah. are other parts of our identity or things that we love, um, we've all experienced that in the yeah. pandemic, right? Huge. We lose friends, like our ability to hang out with friends or we lose. Um, I think what the pandemic has done or, is we've all lost at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Well, hang on. I have a question. Okay. So we all lose, so when we lose things, so let's say you're a, I don't know, a teenage boy and hockey is your, yeah, like you love playing hockey. Sure. X sport, whatever. Yeah. That gets taken away for a year plus now. Um, how does that look different for someone who has Christ as their core identity versus doesn't? If so if it, if Christ is your core identity, how should that affect you differently? That loss. I think when when that's the case, it, it it shouldn't completely wreck us, right? I think what we can do then is mourn. We can we can grieve. We can say that I that hurt. There's a big part of me that was just okay. torn away. I wasn't ready for that. So um, if we're so if, if Christ had our identity, we would probably put into a state of of mourning or grief. I think that's really healthy. If he's not, it may be more of like a depression. Yeah. Or there's a complete loss, right? Suddenly I'm on an Island. I, I, I'm, I'm stranded. I have no idea where to go. Emptiness. Yeah. So are you saying that therefore, if we're feeling that depression or emptiness in this time right now from things we've lost, would that suggest you suggesting then that Christ may not be at our core identity? I think it may have become an idol in our life, something that we worship more than God. Mm. It can become something that really is, yeah, it, it, it replaced that center yeah. of our being. And Christ became that badge we wore on our jacket rather than the, what the jacket was covering. So, so it seems like it's so tough for it not to be when something, most of these things are things that we enjoy. That's why we do them. That's why we, yeah. we spend most of our time with them. And they're just naturally way more fun than being a Christian or learning about God or Christ. It seems that way. So why, how, how do they not become like, I think we have, if we're also, this is another part of this question is if we're, if we're made to, um, we're made for like 
love and we're made for um, joy and we get joy from things that we love and love doing, doing things that we love, then that gets taken away. We're going to not have that, right? Like, isn't we going to have, isn't there going to be some sort of a state of depression in some way? Like, or loss, or I if think our it, joy it, is found in Christ, then that won't happen, I guess. But well, that's where we should refocus our joy. Like we're talking from a really privileged society where we have the money to spend money on hockey. Mm-hmm. So when that's ripped away from us, then we're going to feel that mourning, and we've lost that pleasure and joy. But it's the same thing as is looking back at the mountaintop and going, "I really enjoyed that." I have yeah. to move on. I, I, my journey takes me elsewhere. And my joy is complete in Christ. So I need to find contentment. I need to find peace. I need to find that love from something else. That was a moment, maybe a mountaintop experience. Maybe that was something that I'll, I'll hold as, a, as one of those altar moments in my life where I go back to it and say, this was a good time. This was something. And this was a gift from God. And this was a place maybe where God was in it and I just didn't see it. Because I had so much joy there. Mm-hmm. But the, then we need to grieve and move on. Like the journey is the point. If we camp out there at that destination, then we're going to stunt our growth. We're going to stay there. We're going to just focus on that idol. Mm. We, I meet people that come from other nations and other places and other lives and other walks of life. Um, people that come from a different background, even in our own culture just look around us i grew up in a different area of of our city and didn't have those things Mm -hmm. so if you had that thing that's a that's a something to celebrate that is yeah it's loss and that's something to mourn yeah but it's also something to celebrate and and there's people that don't have that and their experience is completely different and they're gonna have to find their joy somewhere else yeah and the way i've looked at it is that like we need to have our hope in our eternal life and that our eternal life is going to be so much better than anything we can experience here. So that when we do lose these things here, they, we may grieve or mourn them because it sucks. But at the end of the day, it's nothing compared to what we will experience. I think that's where we have to put our, like our hope in and, our, and remember that because if when we lose sight of that, that the life past this earth one, is better and matters more then that's when we can get hung up on the things that like that we like love here because those are all just things part of earth and it's okay to love those things and it's okay for them to be part of who you are because we have to do something while we're here yeah but at the end of the day those things are going to be gone and there's gonna be something way better waiting for us way better if our identities put where it should be yeah we're like the people in the crowd watching jesus teach to us and like we have our stuff mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, that's great. And then someone brings in this paralyzed guy who can't walk and drops him through the, the roof. And we're like, what are you doing? Interrupting my moment with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I have everything and I'm going to leave here and go back and play my sport or do my thing and, and, and play my music. And I have my stuff. And this paralyzed guy shows up. You're like, oh, wow. Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven him. Before he tells him he can walk, before he doesn't even heal him. It's not even on the table. Mm-hmm. First thing he says, your sins are forgiven. Man, I am so far away from that moment of 
of sitting with God and having him just say, Terry, your sins are forgiven. If I'm so focused on, I lost my hockey and I'm, I'm mad. I am ticked right. off at God because I lost my hockey or I lost dance or I lost music or I lost, oh, my, my first year experience at university or I lost my, my chance to get the perfect job or I lost, like, this guy can't walk. And Jesus just says, your sins are forgiven. And that's what he needs in that moment first. Uh-huh. I need to stop and get myself back to that spot where I need my sins forgiven first. Where I see Jesus as my savior and he's my center. He's my like promise of, of a future beyond this earth, uh-huh. uh, beyond our current situation, where I just find my completeness in him. Right. It's basically like, no matter what experience, loss we experience or crappiness we experience, we should be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. That is yeah. what God promises us. So if we go back to that job, I may be the best mechanic there is or the best engineer there is or the best grocery clerk there is or the best um, you know, fry cooker there is, but that's not my final identity. Mm-hmm. There is something so much more beyond that because because there is so much more beyond that. Mm-hmm. And so this journey isn't stopped there. It's like, okay, so what do I know about myself? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Right. Where am I loved and how am I loved? Yeah, maybe, maybe, I'm depressed or I'm anxious, but there's much more to this than, than this moment or this season. And this season could be like three months or three years mm-hmm. where I'm struggling through a desert of whatever. Yeah, sometimes it's long. It can't be long. Maybe that's how we look at it, though, is that what's your light at the end of the tunnel? Maybe this is how you know whether your identity is at the core Christ or not. Is is your someday or is your light at the end of the tunnel like you moving up in your job or you getting X amount of money or you having a family with this many kids in this nice house? Or is it um, is it going to heaven and being with God? Yeah, and maybe we What's need your to light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, maybe we need to redefine my identity at this moment. Mm-hmm. Like, if I feel like I'm striving always to be good enough, maybe I need to realize that um, God calls me a co-heir with Christ. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't have to earn it. I'm actually yeah. a, a family member. There's nothing I can do to earn this approval. He right. approves me. Uh, maybe I need to redefine my definition. If I come from a broken home where I never felt loved, maybe I need to just see I am a child of God. You are his and he loves you, mm-hmm. right? Jesus is baptized. He comes out of the water. And I, I, as far as I can see, there's two points in the gospels where God speaks audibly. Mm-hmm. At the baptism, he says, this is my son. I'm pleased. Yep. Jesus hasn't done anything. <laughs> he's been, he's been, um, well, he was perfect. A skilled but, laborer. You know, Right. He's a skilled laborer. He's a tradesperson. He's, uh, for the first, you know, he's 30 and, and we don't have any records. Like he didn't build this beautiful thing that we go back and, and marvel at the architecture or this chair, this antique chair that has passed through the generations. Like, no, he was just Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. Was he not that good of a carpenter? Probably not. Probably pretty average. (laughs) Come on. He was God. I know. But, but Jesus, like God is pleased with him and he hasn't even started his quote unquote ministry yet. Mm-hmm. And the second time is on the mountain with Moses and Elijah show up and the disciples are like stupid. They're like we'll, we'll put tents up for you guys to sleep in. And, 
And God says, this is my son, listen to him. So I'm happy with him and just listen to him. And bam, like, I'm not content just being and listening to God. I have to do and I have to achieve and I have to hit a mark and I have to be this and be that and be, do this and do that. And he's just like, no, I'm, I love you the way you are. So just listen to me. I'm like, wow, that, that just goes against all my frenetic energy and my need to change things and my, uh, uh. <laughs> and so I, I think sometimes we just have to redefine how we define ourselves yeah. and we need to find some new um, adjectives or nouns to define who I am. I'm a child. I am okay with that. These are my earthly parents and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have scars and wounds and I'm okay with that. I am made for something more and I'm okay with that. Um, I think too, like understanding when I'm empty and what does give me joy. I think it's okay to be in this world and have things that give us joy. That's where we're put. We're put here. This yeah. is our place. And uh, we're made in his image and understanding that is a huge thing in my identity that I was made in God's image. And so he loves me for what I am. And uh, yeah. So understanding when my tanks, my physical tanks or my emotional tanks or my mental tanks or my spiritual tanks are empty and I got to fill one of them, mm-hmm. I think is really important in understanding who I am uh, so that I can keep on this journey. Because right. if my tanks are empty and I stall somewhere, then I'm stuck. And how do I refill those tanks and keep moving? Hmm. I, I didn't see any of this coming. This was amazing. <laughs> Some good, good questions. Chat. Yeah. It's made me really real think, like think about, sometimes I see my job as just a holding place to right. the next thing. And it's like, it's not like, it's really where I am and it's okay to have that that jacket identity on and to, to fill that as best I can. Right. Right. I did not do that as a student. Like student was totally a holding place for me. Yeah. I, I could go back and redo those student years. I probably could have done better. <laughs> me um, too. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're out there as a student, good luck. Um, it's okay to own that for a little while, wear that jacket and, and be okay in that place and see where God can use you there. And not get caught up in that's not fully your identity either. Like that jacket's going to come off and you're going to move on. But yeah, there's so many things I could have done differently. No regret. It was my journey. And I grew and I learned in those times. Yeah. Yeah. But I could have stopped and smelled more flowers maybe. Or taken pictures along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess I, I was thinking like, we always have something that we're looking forward to. And we like to fill our lives with new things or different things we're looking forward to, whether it's parts of our job or hobbies or a vacation, or I always have something that I'm like looking forward to. And this season has really basically taken away all of those things, Um, you know, vacations and all that. And so it's been tough to know, like, there's nothing we're looking forward to, I guess, like I'm realizing that that should always be when there's nothing else there in the near future, there should always be that one thing to look forward to um, in Christ. And that light at the end of the tunnel should always be him. When everything else is gone, there should still be that one there. And that would 
should indicate that he's at your core identity when everything else is peeled away. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're looking for some steps or tips to kind of move that forward again, um, like there's some things out there you can do for that. Like you meet with a therapist, um, a counselor, someone that can, can help you kind of talk through this and help you find some of those layers in your life. That's a good thing. Um, we do like luminous spark at Timothy training, or we've done a, a motivational assessment. Uh, I did myself. I did a Berkman test. They're really expensive, but they really dig through and take a snapshot and say, okay, here's some things that are really strengths and weaknesses and how you respond to things that, that you might want to uh, know about yourself. And some of these, you might not even want to change. Like when you respond to X, it's not always positive. Um, and so that's been really good for me over the last few years, really exploring that, knowing myself and what my strengths and weaknesses and how I communicate when I'm stressed. We, uh, we learned a lot about each other yeah. and how we respond in our stress states uh, to one another. And we're able to call each other out and say, hey, you're, you're, you're responding out of stress, not out of right. your strength. And, uh, and those are really good things to know about each other. Um, Jen and Ainsley have a podcast. And they just did an interview with Kimberly White. She's a therapist and a teacher at Emmanuel uh, for like therapy and understanding. And I don't know what they call it. Psych, psychology, psychology. <laughs> okay. um, but that podcast was really good because she talks about identity and, and, uh, and, and knowing yourself and, and a bit how we get cut, caught up in our, our, maybe too much in our weaknesses or too far to our strengths. And we don't, um, actually grow in other areas. It was a good, good uh, conversation to listen to, but there's people out there that you can talk to. And if you're struggling, like, how do I start to figure out who I am? Let's start asking those questions. All right. I think we've rambled on long. Oh yeah, that was good. Thank you. I enjoyed it. (laughs) I hope you did too. And uh, we're really glad you were here for episode 16. Um, Yeah. I don't have anything else to add. I think that's all. Thanks, everybody. Alrighty. Uh, God bless. Take care. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.